This podcast may include adult content. Bound Off is an independent, non-profit audio magazine committed to paying authors for their work. To join us in our mission of broadcasting great stories to a worldwide audience, please consider dropping us a dollar or two at boundoff.com slash donate. Support for this episode comes from the Loft Literary Center, located in Minneapolis, Minnesota, one of the nation's leading literary nonprofits, offering a wide array of online creative writing classes for all levels and genres. Online classes are offered seasonally. Find out how to register at loft.org. Welcome to Bound Off, a literary audio broadcast. In this edition, we have two stories, Dreams by Duncan Whitmire and Fat Elvis by Richard Fulco. Dreams, written by Duncan Whitmire, read by Anne Rushton. Listing time, three minutes. Phil dreamed June was dying of some disease that caused her whole body to swell and deform. She was cold, so he covered her until all he could see was her head sticking out of a cascading pile of quilts and comforters. What do you think that means, he asked her. The sickness or your holistic blanket remedy? I'm serious. So am I. I've had this stomach bug for the past two days, and I'm wondering if we should hit up the linen sale at Bed Bath & Beyond. In one of Phil's dreams, June died in a car accident where he drove their car and the oncoming milk truck simultaneously. June thought the way he described holding her in the pool of blood mixing with milk was beautiful and alarming. She joked it was too early in their marriage for him to be fantasizing about her death. I had a dream about you too, she told him. She was getting ready for work and had hot curlers in her auburn hair. We were up north, and you'd gone off drinking and snowmobiling with Marty and George. You got into an accident and lost your leg. Her eyes cut toward him from the mirror. But you were too embarrassed to tell me about it, so you tried to pass off your prothesis as the real deal, and I was too embarrassed by your efforts to let you know I knew. When have I ever ridden a snowmobile, I asked. It's not the point. Would you still love me if I only had one leg? She dabbed at her eyelashes. Probably, but stay away from snowmobiles in the meantime. Phil worried he'd always had the ability to see the future and was only now realizing his potential. He told her about it at the supermarket. You're afraid you're psychic, she asked. Grocery shoppers with carts passed them in the canned vegetable aisle. But you can't use these powers for anything like predicting lottery numbers or reading minds? Phil selected a can of kidney beans. It pretty much only works for your death. Bummer, she said. The next week, June told him she was pregnant. When he sat down next to her on the couch, she put her hand on his knee and said, I know it's not exactly the way we planned it. We only just got married, he said, staring straight forward. I know. It explains the dreams I was having, though. Standing up, Phil continued. I think I knew you were pregnant, and the dreams were my subconscious worrying about you and the fetus. Again with the fortune-telling. What else could it be? You don't think it has to do with being freaked out by all the changes over the past year? No, he smiled. I'm really excited about having a, you know... June gave Phil a look she'd given him in a dream once, the look of a woman being told by her husband that he's standing upright, when clearly he could tilt over at any moment. The end. Duncan lives in South Portland, Maine, 
where he works for the local library. Find more stories at duncan.whitmire.com. Fat Elvis. Written and read by Richard Fulco. Listening time, 12 minutes. Fat Elvis. Recess. I have a limp. When I was 12, the kids called me Gimpy. I didn't mind, though. I wasn't popular, so I wore my nickname like a badge of honor. Kids who didn't know me at least heard of me. You know that kid who walks like Frankenstein? Oh, you mean Gimpy? It could have been a lot worse. I could have been Fat Elvis. Fat Elvis was the fattest kid in our junior high school. Hell, he was the fattest kid in town. To all of us, Elvis Presley was somebody our parents listened to. But to Mervyn, the king was God. Wasn't it bad enough that he was a fat kid named Mervyn? Did he have to further humiliate himself by displaying his affection for a fat, washed-up, lounge singer who wore a white sequin jumpsuit in public? Fat Elvis fancied himself a performer, starring in the school musicals as Curly in Oklahoma and Nathan Detroit in Guys and Dolls. But no matter how many standing ovations he got or awards he won, to us, he'd always be Fat Elvis. Fat Elvis went out with Ain't Purdy Gertie, the ugliest girl in school. Hell, she was the ugliest girl in town. Her orange hair was like a squirrel's nest, and she wore old-fashioned dresses with bows and ribbons and a pair of white and black saddle shoes. During recess, Fat Elvis cradled Ain't Purdy in his bulky arms and strolled through the basketball court singing, Love Me Tender. We all just had a great big laugh at their expense, and then Albert, also known as the head, Albert had the biggest head in school, chucked a basketball at Fat Elvis's head, leaving a big red mark on his forehead. Fat Elvis never stopped singing, though. Ain't Purdy straightened out the part and her boyfriend's hair, and they carried on as if nobody else existed. School Bus The farther back you sat on the school bus, the closer to cool you wanted to think you were. The dirt bags were slung over the seats in the rear. The jocks were spread out among the foxy girls and cheerleaders who sat in front of the dirt bags. I hung out with Arthur Nudnik, also known as No Dick, and the Dungeons and Dragons crowd in the middle section, behind the theater dorks, student government geeks, and brainiacs. The bus ride to school was just long enough for me to copy No Dick's math homework that was always wrong. Fat Elvis, wearing a brown polyester blazer that was way too small for him, boarded the bus, flashed his pass, and plopped into his usual seat near the front door across from the bus driver where he sat by himself. There was a puddle of water in the seat between me and No Dick. Quasimodo, one of the dirtbags who earned his nickname from the way he hunched over as he walked, urged me to trick Fat Elvis into sitting in the puddle. No Dick didn't think it was a good idea, but when Hot Lisa... Not to be confused with not hot Lisa, thought it would be hysterical. I seized the opportunity to gain some street cred and invited Fat Elvis to sit next to me and no dick. He stuck his nubby thumb into his chest and mouthed me. I signaled for him to join us. He stood up, packed his books into a brown briefcase, and waddled down the aisle, bumping into not hot Lisa on the way. Hey, watch it, Fat Elvis. Have a seat, buddy, I said shielding the puddle with my backpack. What do you want, Gimpy? Why should you sit alone? Join me and no dick here. It's just that I sit alone every morning and you never listen. Do you want to sit or not? 
He collapsed into the puddle, but never acknowledged that his backside was soaking wet. Not a goddamn word. Hot Lisa gave me a high five. The cheerleaders giggled. The jocks roared. The dirtbags lit cigarettes. The theater kids could care less. No dick shook his head. It's just wrong. Fat Elvis took out his textbook and studied for the social studies exam. He never once looked up. Playground. Fat Elvis made out with Ain't Purdy underneath the monkey bars. We were disgusted by the whole spectacle. Not hot, Lisa squealed. I think I'm going to puke. She stuck her finger down her throat and made vomiting sounds. We followed her lead. If I had courage, I would have applauded Fat Elvis and Ain't Purdy. They carried on as if they were the only two people in the world. That's more than I could say for the rest of us. who was so damn self-conscious that we wouldn't dare take a breath without asking if it would be okay first. Ain't Purdy fed an entire bag of Doritos to Fat Elvis. After chugging a liter of Coke, he lifted her in his bulky arms and sang Can't Help Falling in Love. Members from every clique surrounded the couple. We clapped our hands and stomped our feet. The teachers on duty, Mrs. Vandermeer, a.k.a. Tight Ass, and Miss Newton, Figs, were in their usual spot, huddled in the doorway, smoking and talking about their weekend plans. Fat Elvis and Aunt Purdy were amused by all of the attention. Then things took an ugly turn. The head started spitting on them. Aunt Purdy wiped a flumball from Fat Elvis's hair, but he never stopped singing. Then we all started spitting on them. No dick told me it wasn't right. Aunt Purdy started crying, then leaped out of Fat Elvis's arms and addressed all of us. You're all fucking cowards, pointing at the head, Quasimodo, Hot Lisa, and yours truly. Fat Elvis dropped to one knee, took Aunt Purdy's hand, and showered it with kisses. And you, you don't do anything. Why don't you fight back? We cheered and applauded Aunt Purdy's performance. She sprinted into the cafeteria while Fat Elvis broke into Heartbreak Hotel, wiggling his hips and flailing his arms, looking like a washed-up Elvis Presley in Las Vegas. The head started hurling rocks at Fat Elvis. The rest of us joined in. Quasimodo handed me a rock. Go ahead, throw it, he coaxed. No dick just shook his head. Where were tight ass and figs? I wanted somebody to stop me. Go ahead, what are you waiting for? I tossed the rock. Everybody cheered. You nailed him, Gimpy. Look, the fat bastard's bleeding. When the bell rang, Fat Elvis sauntered through the playground. He was still singing, still bleeding from his forehead. I trotted after him, but no dick got in my way. Leave him alone, Gimpy. Assembly. None of us really knew Aunt Purdy but her suicide shocked the entire school. Her frail body was found early Monday morning, impaled on a jagged spike on the wrought iron fence that enclosed the patchy lawn in front of the entrance to our junior high school. Principal McFarland, also known as Big Mac, scheduled a school-wide assembly just before lunch period. There wasn't an empty seat in the auditorium. Tight ass and figs consoled hot Lisa and the head. I sat with No Dick and the rest of the D&D crowd behind the theater dorks who were running lines for the next play, Godspell, and the student government geeks who were comparing their grades on the Romeo and Juliet essay, and the brainiacs who were figuring out some equation on their calculators. 
Behind us, the cheerleaders and foxy girls were passing around the mirror, smearing on red lipstick, while the jocks in the balcony were gearing up for the afternoon game. Let's go, Tigers, let's go. And the dirtbags were singing Bobber O'Reilly. They're all wasted. Big Mac's speech was brief. He didn't say anything about bullying. He didn't reprimand us. He didn't dish out any detentions. He just eulogized Aunt Purdy. One of the school's best and brightest. An intelligent girl who possessed great potential. Then he introduced the star of the show, Fat Elvis. Fat Elvis took his sweet time strolling down the aisle and up the set of stairs that led to the stage. After Big Mac embraced him, he stared out in silence for a few seconds and bowed his head for a moment. When he looked up, his face was flush. Tears ran down the wrinkles of flesh on his fat face. He was inconsolable, but he started speaking anyway. I can't remember a word he said. I only remember his pain. To this day, I've never seen anyone suffer like that. At lunch, Fat Elvis took his Doritos and Coke to the monkey bars. I wish I had consoled the guy, but all I did was hang upside down from the monkey bars and wait for him to say something. He was staring into the blue sky as if he was looking for an answer. The silence really got to me. That was a heck of a speech. Silence. I mean, you had everyone in tears. Even Big Mac was bawling. No response. Gotta hand it to you, Fat Elvis. You've got guts, you know. He didn't say anything. Hey, you want to come up to my house after school and play some records? He didn't say a word. He didn't even look at me. Hey, Mervyn, what do you say? What do you want, Gimby? I thought you could use some cheering up. I don't need anything. I thought you could use a buddy. I don't need anything. Come on, everybody needs a friend. I've got everything I need. Now leave me alone, kid. You bother me. Fat Elvis got to his feet and started to walk away, singing The Wonder of You. I was still hanging upside down, feeling like a jilted lover. Good, walk away. What do I care, you fat fuck? He never turned back, and I wish I hadn't said that. Lunch. Shortly after Aunt Purdy's suicide, Fat Elvis disappeared. All kinds of rumors circulated. No dick told me that he went to Vegas. Hot Lisa said he went to Hollywood. Quasimodo was convinced that he did himself in. We never saw him again. It was during that time I put on some weight from all of the Doritos and Coke I had been inhaling. On the school bus, I changed my seat to the one across from the driver, where I could do my math homework in peace. At lunch, I took my Doritos and Coke to the monkey bars. Members from every clique formed a circle around me. They were clapping their hands and stomping their feet. So I took the opportunity to honor Fat Elvis by belting out a few bars of Hound Dog. It was the least I could do for the guy. I didn't make it to the second verse when the head and his new buddy, No Dick, started kicking me. I kicked back. The head wasn't expecting a fight. It's only a fucking joke, Gimpy. Lighten up. I was no longer taking anything lightly. I drop-kicked the head and groin, and when he doubled over, I nailed him in the face. The name's Timmy, I said. No Dick wanted no part of me and just walked away, shaking his head. I was going to pick up where I left off with Hound Dog, but I really hated Elvis, so I sang Teenage Lobotomy by the Ramones instead. 
I've slimmed down a bunch since junior high school. I've stopped eating Doritos and traded in the Coke for fruit juice. I still have a limp. By now, everybody just calls me T-Bone. Richard is the founder and editor of the online music magazine RiffRaff.net. Wampus Multimedia will publish his first novel, There Is No End to the Slope, in fall 2013. Listener-supported Bound Off is made possible by grants from the Kern Family Endowed Fund. Further support comes from the Google Grants Program. Thanks for listening to this edition of Bound Off. Copyright Bound Off and the respective authors. All rights reserved. Visit our website at boundoff.com for information about our broadcasts and how to submit your stories.